Welcome to Novon Health Healthy Headlines. I'm Gina DiPietro. More than 34 million Americans have diabetes, and about 90% of them have type 2 diabetes. In this episode, Roland Wilkerson speaks with Dr. Kathy Rowley, a clinical physician executive for the Novant Health Diabetes Center of Excellence, about a patient's path forward after a doctor told them about their diagnosis. And there's good news. Unlike a lot of diseases, the patient is in the driver's seat. I think the first thing to do is to take a deep breath. Diabetes is an incredibly prevalent problem. Probably all of us know someone who has type 2 diabetes, either a parent or a sibling or a spouse or a friend, and we've heard about all the negative outcomes that can happen related to diabetes, uh, and therefore many people come into the discussion with a high degree of fear and concern. And I have had patients break down in tears in my office uh, when I tell them that they have diabetes because they have internalized all the negative messages in the world around them about diabetes. So first thing to do is take a deep breath. Second thing to do is to learn as much as you can and educate yourself information from a reliable source. So don't go to Dr. Google and (laughs) and search diabetes, what do I do? Go to a source of reliable information. And the two places that I tell my patients to go to is the American Diabetes Association for both type 1 and type 2 diabetes and to the JDRF for patients with type 1 diabetes. Those are national organizations which really collect evidence-based information and authoritative and well-founded recommendations for patients. So the American Diabetes Association website is diabetes.org and the JDRF website is jdrf.org. So those are good places to start. So we all Google everything. What's wrong with Googling type 2 diabetes when you've gotten some really sad and surprising news? The problem with Googling type 2 diabetes is the same problem as Googling anything. You don't know what you're going to get. Right. You know, just because it's on the Internet doesn't mean it's true. And for people who are looking for information in a heightened state of concern and uh, a high emotional state, they may not have as much ability to filter and uh, critically evaluate the information that they're receiving. So that becomes important any time, really, that you have a new health diagnosis, is go to the most authoritative source. And your healthcare provider can also direct you to sources. So um, ask them, where should I go to find more information? That's a good thing. Another place to find good information is to be uh, from a diabetes education program. So people with type 2 diabetes in particular who are newly diagnosed should make sure that they're referred to a a certified diabetes educator. And most communities, uh, we have places uh, for people to receive that information. We talked about the best thing to do when you've gotten a diagnosis. What's the worst thing you can do besides looking for information in all the wrong places? I think the worst thing to do is to panic and uh, take on a fatalistic attitude. Um, I have uh, interacted with a lot of patients who have had family members with diabetes who have had bad health outcomes and uh, whose feeling has been when they found out that they were diabetic as well that doesn't matter. 
doesn't matter what I do, this was inevitable. Uh, my mother had a heart attack and stroke and my father developed kidney failure, so it's inevitable that that will happen to me too. And they just kind of threw in the towel from the beginning. That's the worst thing that you can do. So there are things that, as an individual with diabetes that you can do to improve your health. Those include learning as much as you can about the disease process, working on increasing your physical activity, if, even if you're not an athlete or a jock, any kind of uh, physical activity can help. Don't, don't think anything is too small. So even small changes uh, are important. If you are completely sedentary, walking down to the end of the block and back once a day is more than a good start. Another thing to do for patients with type 2 diabetes is to find a, a way to lose weight. I tell that to all of my patients, and I also add that's an easy thing to say and a difficult thing to do, but weight management really is critical for controlling diabetes. And the better you control your diabetes from the beginning, the better your outcome really is over the long run. And then the third thing is to listen to your healthcare provider regarding their recommendations regarding medication therapy. So not everybody needs to be on medication from the beginning, but some people do. And sometimes that includes insulin. And oftentimes for people who have very high blood sugar elevation, insulin is the only choice we have initially to manage their blood sugar. And with time, uh, with changes in lifestyle, and improvement in weight, many patients can cut back or even eliminate their insulin therapy, even if they're on it immediately after diagnosis. Yeah, in some cases, can't you reverse your type 2 diabetes or at least substantially improve your condition? Yeah, I don't think it's over. I think that's a good statement. I myself have seen quite a number of patients who have made some very significant lifestyle changes and have been able to, and who've had diabetes for a long time, actually, uh, who've been able to, quote unquote, reverse their diabetes. Particularly, two things, uh, weight reduction, sometimes not a lot, sometimes 15 or 20 pounds, sometimes more wow. than 50 or 60 pounds, right. depending on where the patient is in the course of their disease and uh, significantly decreasing their carbohydrate intake. So people who are on very high carb diets, who drink lots of sugar-sweetened beverages, who eat a lot of starchy food, by making changes and, and significantly cutting back on the carb content of their diet can have significant improvement in their diabetes control. What are some of the key risk factors for type 2 diabetes? There are several things to think about. Probably the number one thing to think about is body mass index. That's the calculated number that kind of correlates your, your weight with your height. The higher the BMI, the worse. So if you have a BMI of over 30, you're at an increased risk for diabetes. So know what your BMI is. And that's something that we can all look up there. That's where Google comes yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can go to the CDC Google. website. They've mm -hmm. got a calculator if you're worried about other calculators. So this is something right. we anybody can do. Yeah, that's easy to do. You can do that yourself. So find your BMI, number one. Number two is know your family history. People who have a first-degree relative that is a parent or a sibling with type 2 diabetes have an increased risk of type 2 diabetes themselves. Those are people who, 
who should be aware and uh, should be screened. A third group is, well, it just is as you get older. So the American Diabetes Association now recommends screening people after age 45 because of prevalence of type 2 diabetes increases with age. And is there a specific test for type 2 diabetes? There are different ways to look for diabetes in general. A fasting blood glucose value can be done. Basically a blood test? Mm -hmm. Yeah, blood test, blood draw. Uh, there's another uh, approach called the oral glucose tolerance test in which somebody is given a sugary beverage to drink and then we draw their blood at certain intervals of time and measure the change in their blood sugar after drinking a certain amount of sugar, a standard amount of sugar. But probably the most accessible and easiest test is something called the hemoglobin A1C test. So that's a test that can be done on most patients. There are a couple situations in which it's, that's not accurate, but most people can get a hemoglobin A1C blood draw. And that will tell you whether you have no blood sugar elevation or whether you are in the in-between zone, which is what we call prediabetes, or if your average blood sugar falls into the diabetes range. The hemoglobin A1C is useful because it does not have to be done fasting, so you can do it any time of the day. And it tells you what your average blood sugar has been like for the last three months. So it's not an immediate test. It doesn't tell you what it is now, but it tells us what it has been for a period of time. And there are certain cutoff ranges and criteria that we use to put people into different categories. That's another thing that you can look at on Google. So you can ask your healthcare provider to draw hemoglobin A1C level if you are in one of those risk groups. And then um, that level can, can give you information. A th another group, a third group that I should point out is certain um, racial and ethnic groups. So the prevalence of diabetes is higher amongst uh, African Americans and people of Hispanic background. So if you are, have a high BMI and you're African American uh, or Hispanic, you're also in a higher uh, risk category and should be screened. Getting the scary diagnosis, you know, is no fun, and it's easy to go into denial because you just don't want to deal with it. What are the dangers that you could face with that? That's a good question. In fact, I have a term for that. It's what I call deniabetes. So don't uh -huh. have deniabetes. That's diabetes plus denial. The danger of deniabetes is that while you can ignore it in having diabetes in the short run, you can't ignore it in the long run. So diabetes that goes unaddressed for a long period of time will result in complications. That's the main thing. You may not actually feel bad when your blood sugar is only a little bit elevated or even moderately elevated, but elevated blood sugar that goes on for years and years has negative effects on the body. And that includes damage to the eyes, which may result in blindness, damage to the nerves, particularly in the legs, which can result to loss of sensation, and that in turn results in not being able to tell if you have an injury or an infection, and that in turn can result to amputation, lower extremity amputation. Diabetes also has a negative effect on the kidneys, and decline of kidney function over time can result in kidney failure and then people end up on dialysis. 
People who have diabetes also have an increased risk of heart attack and stroke. So not only do you need to have your blood sugar looked at and managed if you have diabetes, but also your cholesterol and your blood pressure because those are other things that put you at high risk of heart attack and stroke. So by ignoring all of those concerns, uh, you can end up in a world of hurt as time goes by. It sounds like basic lifestyle changes like diet and exercise are a huge part of getting things under control. What, and you've treated a lot of patients in a lot of tough cases, mm -hmm. what have been some of the traits of people who've been able to get the nose up that have actually been able to stop this decline and get to a much better place in life and a, and a better quality of life? So people who've been able to make big changes uh, in my practice have been uh, ones who've been willing to start with a little change. So it's very difficult uh, in any habit to go from zero to 60 in, in the space of you know a couple of days or a couple of weeks. But people who are able to make small changes in, in their lifestyle and then build on those changes over time are the ones who are really able to, to make significant improvement in the long run. Don't be discouraged, I guess is what I'm saying, if it seems like just a small change. Even a small change is important if you can sustain that change and build on it. Can you think of a patient who you thought maybe wasn't going to be able to make the turnaround and what he or she did that surprised you or how they oh, did it? Boy, I have loads of them. Many times the patients who make really big turnarounds have some sort of life event that kind of wakes them up. So that moves them out of the deniabetes into, right. into action. Sometimes it's a health scare with a family member or a friend. I have had several patients who've had close friends have heart attacks or, or end up with amputations from diabetes and it really scared them uh, into action. I've had other patients who finally decided that they have young children and they want to be there to see them graduate college or get married or, or make some life milestone right. and they decide to make their changes in their health behaviors in order to benefit their families. A lot of us know somebody with type 2 diabetes but they're not really making the changes they should. Is there anything we can do to help them turn the corner? I think to say I'm concerned about you. I see that you're struggling. I'm here to support you. What can I do? I think that's the most important thing that we can do for our friends and family so, for any kind of health change. Yeah, so come at it from the angle of support rather mm -hmm. than criticizing. Absolutely. I think the my patients tell me oftentimes that they have been criticized by the healthcare system, by healthcare providers, by friends and family, and they feel defeated. And it's only through many months and sometimes many years of talking with people and, and kind of analyzing their frustrations, the source of their frustrations, and chipping away at that defensiveness and armor that I can really make a therapeutic breakthrough with them. So I think that it's also important from the standpoint of helping our friends and family is to do the same thing, is to be supportive, to let them know we're, we're there for them, that, that we will help them work on the small things so that they'll have big 
things happen in the future. And finally, what's the biggest misconception you think that's out there with type 2 diabetes, whether it's from just the, the public's understanding or from somebody who's been diagnosed? I think probably the biggest misconception is that the cause is eating too much sweet food. So it's not just consumption of sweets that causes diabetes. It's a genetically determined disease. It's a combination of factors. So type 2 diabetes comes from your genetic predisposition and your weight and your physical activity and your diet. So just by cutting back on your sweets won't necessarily eliminate diabetes or cure diabetes, although it is an important part of managing it. Gina DiPietro here again. A diabetes diagnosis is a life-changing experience, but as Dr. Kathy Rowley explained, the worst thing to do is panic or throw in the towel. Properly educating yourself, avoiding denial, and making healthy changes can vastly improve your quality of life. For more practical health tips and information, visit Novant Health Healthy Headlines. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to rate and review us, and subscribe to this and all the Novant Health podcasts. Thank you for listening.